Hey guys, it's Chris here. Wanted to let you know that today's episode is powered by MyBookie.ag. You go on over to MyBookie.ag and put in the promo code TARPSOFFSEASON. That's S-Z-N or S-Z-N if you're in Canada, but it's not about the Z's. It's all about the cheese. We will give you a 100% deposit bonus on Every dollar you deposit up to $1,000, you put in 20, you'll get 40. You put in 40, you'll get 80. You put in $69, you'll get $138. You don't just have to bet hockey. You can bet the NFL, MLB, NBA, presidential election, hot dog eating contests, you name it. You can bet it. And we're going to give you a 100% deposit bonus at mybookie.ag when you hit tarps off season. S-Z-N. That's tarps off season. S-Z-N. Now let's get to the episode. This is Jerome McGinley, and you're listening to Get the Puck Out. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man, how you doing? You good? I know you like that. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Get the Puck Out. I am your host, Chris Mancuso. We have a special guest today for the Leafs fans after the St. Louis Blues and Alex Petrangelo sounded the alarms. Mike Agello, a.k.a. Mike in Buffalo on Twitter. Mike Agello, how are you today, buddy? Hey, Chris. Uh, pretty good. Getting ready for some football. Uh, watched uh, game one of the Stanley Cup final last night. Uh, very entertaining game. Uh, but yeah, everything is Leafs now, as, yeah. as you know. Yeah, the Leafs fans are hungry for news. The, the buzz is starting to percolate, and it got even stronger when Darren Dreger of TSN put out that um, tweet stating that it looks like the Alex Petrangelo camp and the St. Louis Blues camp have broken off talks. I don't necessarily think that means he won't go back there, but from everything I've heard, the offer from them is around 7.7, which just isn't enough for a guy like uh, Petrangelo, 30 years old, looking to get his final cash in right before age starts to catch up with you. Um, first question right off the hop, uh, Mike, all Toronto Maple Leafs fans are wondering, can Kyle Dubas make this happen? I think he can. It's a question is, will he want to? And uh, I think I've spelled out pretty uh, succinctly uh, in my column from yesterday and over the last you know, I'd say three or four months when it came to Petrangelo and the Leafs' interest in him is, well, to, you know, open up the cap space that you're going to need to sign him to a seven-year deal, you're probably going to have to trade a significant uh, salary off of the roster to open up that room. And if you look at uh, their situation, they're not trading Tavares because he's got a no-move clause. They're not trading Austin Matthews uh, because he's one of the best players in the league. Uh, I don't think that they're going to trade Mitch Marner because uh, coming off a, yeah, what I think he deemed as a subpar year, uh, I think his value is down. And I also think that they, they like him very much in the organization and believe he's, you know, maybe a top 15 player in the league. The, the, uh, you know, it, it points to William Nylander and that just brings up a bunch of controversy because some fans are, definitely in the pro Nealander camp and think that that would be a mistake while others believe that he can be replaced and that the, the Leafs definitely need to reallocate funds towards their defense, which has been their problem. I would say for going on, yeah, I'd say 20 years. Yeah, I was going to say a couple of decades. You know, yeah. So, I mean, it, one way or the other, the Kyle Dubas is going to address the defense. I think that the easiest solution in terms of, the best player out there is Petrangelo who turns 31, I believe in January, but 
um, it would come at a cost. But I, I think that that should be the way that they go. But whether he can do it, whether Petrangelo wants to come to Toronto, whether the salary will be something that will cripple them down the line, we don't know that yet. All I know is this. You looked at where St. Louis was going this year, um, trading for Justin Falk, trading for Marco Scandella, extending them both. It's not a surprise that they basically told him go to market because I think they prepared themselves for the situation that they were going to try to get him on a hometown discount, try to get him on a low ball offer. And if he balked, which was probably going to be the case one way or the other, um, then they were prepared to go on without him. Now it's just a question of whether other teams will pony up and spend the money that will be necessary for him to leave St. Louis. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a pretty fair assessment of everything across the board. Personally, I wonder if they'd be better off dumping, um, you know, uh, Andreas Janssen comes to mind and then maybe going for, I mean, I don't know if Alex Petrangelo just himself comes in and fixes the defense like all the way through. I, do, you, do you ever wonder maybe if, if there's like two, maybe not bad unrestricted free agent options out there? Like I, a guy like Sammy Vatnin catches my eye. A Brendan Dillon plays that that gritty style, hard style of hockey. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I, I get it. Like, you know, Pat Trangelo, he's, he's a Toronto guy. Um, one year removed from leading his team to the Stanley Cup final, uh, a victory with the St. Louis Blues. Um, but like you said, the way that they grabbed Falk and they grabbed Scandella and signed them, you know, they, they must have had an inkling that he was going to go uh, to a number that they weren't comfortable in going. Um, but I know that uh, you guys are usually on top of your stuff over at uh, hockeybuzz.com. Now, what other teams do you think will be circling around Alex Petrangelo if it is indeed the uh, the end of him in, uh, in St. Louis? Well, the, the talk is that Vegas uh, is coming off of the loss uh, to Dallas in the conference final would be in the mix for Petrangelo. They have, they have less cap space than the Leafs do, but – they have a couple players in Paul Stosny with one year left in his contract at six and a half million. And uh, Alec Martinez, who they acquired from LA before the deadline, who makes it a little over 4 million in the final year of their contract. So, you know, they could conceivably trade off one or both of those guys to open up the cap space to, to sign Petrangelo, just like the Leafs would have to trade off somebody like Nylander or as you suggested, Janssen, but it, the Leafs have 6 million in cap space trading Janssen would open it up to close to close to 10. Yeah. But the problem is, is that uh, if you sign Petrangelo for any, you know, to anywhere between eight and a half and nine, you have no room to sign Mikhaev, sign Dermot, you know, you're going to have to open up more cap space. That's why Janssen in and of himself does not open up enough room. Um, you know, the Leafs could uh, uh, go down the road that they did last year for a one-year situation, maybe trading for a player who's on long-term injury like Brandon Dubinsky with uh, Columbus or um, uh, Marion Gaberick with Ottawa to go into LTIR to open up space for one year. But eventually they're going to have to make the decision of where they want to go and how they want to allocate their funds. If they don't want to go out and spend nine, eight and a half to nine million on Petrangelo, the market past Tory Krug, who's a lefty, uh, really does not have a ton of right-hand defensemen, which is where the Leafs need. You now, I think the number two or number three right-hand defenseman in the market is Tyson Berry, and we know that they're not bringing him back. No, you know, Rad, Radko Gudis is basically a really good top bottom pairing guy and they don't need somebody who can play five six they need a top four right hand shot defenseman and that either means making a trade or that means 
uh, signing Petrangelo. And I don't know whether, you know, the Leafs are willing to pay the price to get Matt Dumba or whether Aaron Eckblad's available or whatever other big right-hand defenseman is out there. But one way or the other, it's going to cost. And to, in my mind, I would rather sign a free agent and then find a way to fit under the cap by trading somebody like Nealander who you can get young assets and cheap assets for rather than trading asset for asset and then risking that player going someplace else and having success. And you don't know what the player that you're trading for is going to, is going to do in Toronto. No, that, that, that makes a ton of sense. Um, certainly it's going to be, uh, uh, there's a long way still to go for Kyle Dubas with this, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs roster and you did say you know looking across the trade market well there was some some buzz earlier on in the offseason that the Leafs would look to move on from Freddie Anderson now that's kind of a cooled I haven't heard it as much is that still a possibility and in the cards right now for the Leafs I I think Kyle Dubas smartly is keeping his options open when it comes to the goaltender I mean basically he's come out and said over the last month or so that you know, they're not looking to just trade for the sake of a trade or change for change sake. They want to upgrade. And the situation with Freddie Anderson is he's a good goaltender. I don't think he was at fault for the loss against Columbus, but they haven't advanced past the first round in four years, the four years that he's been in Toronto. I think he's been more victim of pitiful defense on the part of the Leafs, but he's got one year left in a contract at $5 million and you have a trade market and a free agent market that is a glut with goaltenders and in a situation where you know if this Robin Leonard rumor in terms of him signing a five-year 25 million dollar contract with Vegas coming off a really great performance in the Stanley Cup playoffs that's the same contract that Freddie Anderson signed four years ago so if they can go out in free agency or make a trade for a goaltender that makes just as much or less than Anderson, and they perceive it as being an upgrade, then I think Dubas would be foolish not to explore that. But whether, you know, who, who is that? That's the question. You know, I, I believe the guy that they would like to get if, if, you know, if the price to trade for him is reasonable is Matt Murray, but you know, Matt Murray played for Dubas at the, in the Sioux. He's 26 years old. He's won two Stanley Cups. He's, his value is down because he's coming off a, a subpar year. But, I, I, you know, Dubas tried to get Matt Murray uh, in uh, 2015 when he traded Kessel uh, to, uh, to Pittsburgh. So, and it didn't pan out. They ended up getting Caspery Kapanen in the, in the deal. So I think the interest is there. It's just a question of whether Jim Rutherford is willing to trade him for something less than a first round pick. Cause I don't think the Leafs would pay that for, for Murray. Yeah. And it would be weird because if they did flip that first round pick, you figure they would have just dealt with it during that initial trade, but sure, they sure. do seem to have a pretty good trade relationship, Rutherford and Dubas. So that'll be something to watch. And exactly like you said, like if Robin Lehner's really only taken five, how does Braden Holtby go to market and ask for any more? Now, when you look at Braden Holtby or Freddie Anderson, I know Holtby's kind of been a little bit on, it mm-hmm. seems like not playing as well, but maybe a change of scenery for him. Like you said, there's never been a better time to explore your options. I don't think Anderson was the problem. I think he was a 1.84 uh, goals against average. But I mean, when you look at the guy's record across his career in elimination games, it's like, oh, and eight or something like that. Like eventually you got to come up with one. 
And yeah. just because this year it wasn't bad, the other two times against Boston, what did Boston score? Five or six goals in each of those games, right? Which I know plays on the defense a little bit, but at some point you need your goaltender to win one for you. And that just hasn't been able to be the case uh, right. for Freddie Anderson. And, and, and I get why the fans are, are, are kind of okay with the idea. Like you said, the Matt Murray thing. I think that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to regret trading Matt Murray. I'm not a big Jari guy. I don't know. He's just not, not someone that I think is going to be a, a guy capable of leading an entire team. So I think if they can get Matt Murray done for, you know, a prospect, a second round pick, maybe a, whatever they, they would need to match it up and make it work, that would be pretty interesting. And then if they need to find a home for Freddie Anderson, I think Carolina makes the most sense. It's possible. I mean, I think that the Anderson's contract is very attractive in a post COVID uh, world where he's been paid, you know, four of the $5 million salary mm -hmm. uh, for the final year since it's, a, since it was paid out in signing bonus. So the money would only be a million dollars for a team that's, you know, could be financially strapped. So a team like Carolina who inherently is very fiscally responsible. And I say that with quotes mm -hmm. um, that, uh, you know, that might be attractive, but then again, you know, if the Leafs would trade him, uh, someplace they would get value back either in draft picks or prospects. So that's another reason why, but, but the, the question is in this market, who is perceived as being an upgrade over Anderson? I don't know if Darcy Kemper is, I don't know if Holtby is, I'm not sure if a Markstrom, although, you know, Vancouver is a very uh, heated market. So, um, you know, he's been exposed to the pressure of a Canadian uh, hockey market. Uh, you know, is trading for Thatcher Demko, uh, you know, is that, is that a direction they go? I mean, there's a number of options. It's all a question of what Dubas and the Leafs believe is, you know, is perceived as an upgrade over Anderson. No, exactly, exactly. There's a, there, one thing for sure in this post-COVID world, in this flat cap, is there is like most years they always say, oh, there's going to be a flurry of activity, and it comes up short of expectation. This offseason is going to be crazy, and it has to be. You see what Arizona is going to have to do, like you brought up, Kemper. Uh, a lot of people talking about OEL, but I know you cover the Maple Leafs, but you're in Buffalo. Buffalo pulls off a trade and brings in Eric Stahl. What did you make of that? I thought it was a good deal for both teams. Um, I know that took uh, Stahl a little bit by surprise. I mean, let's just face it. The Sabres are not a good team. They're not going to make the playoffs even with the addition of Eric Stahl. But they needed somebody to come in as a veteran number two behind Jack Eichel that could handle the job and that would pr give them a little uh, of a bit of a delay of having to put Casey Middlestat or Dylan Cousins, their first-round pick from 2019, in at second-line center. We know Stahl can handle it. He's a great pro. He's probably a Hall of Famer. He can handle the job. They spent a million two on, in salary by trading Marcus Johansson to Minnesota. I think it's a no-lose in the sense that, you know, then maybe they can trade Stahl at the end of the year near the deadline if they're not contending, which I don't believe they will. But I think it's a good fit and, you know, maybe – quells any uh, discontent that Jack Eichel has about not having any support behind him. But, you know, the Sabres have so many holes. They only have four forwards that are signed to a contract right now. And most of their forwards from last year are either restricted, uh, restricted with arbitration eligibility or unrestricted. So uh, Kevin Adams has a lot of work to do. Yeah. That was a job that, you know, you had to take on for a guy like Kevin Adams and doesn't have any experience in the, in the role. So, I mean, quite the big ask in Buffalo for, for Adams coming in when you clearly know your number one center is a little bit um, 
I don't want to use the word unhappy, but he's getting frustrated, right? Yeah. So it's definitely it's definitely going to be a very interesting situation to watch in Buffalo. How do you think it unfolds here over the next year or two with Jack Eichel? Do you think they're going to be able to keep him happy, or do you think he eventually wants to walk? Well, I mean, he's got a lot of term left in, on that deal, making a nice piece of change, ten million dollars a year. But if you know his motivation is to win. I don't know whether you know the atmosphere with with the uh, the Sabers is is conducive to that. They haven't made the playoffs since 2011. Ever since the Pagulas took over uh, as the owners of the team, uh, I do believe they have quality pieces. I think Rasmus Dahlin is an all-star defenseman, yeah. and Eichel is one of the best centers in the league. But they have not. They have wasted money, and they have made bad moves on. Uh, setting up a supporting cast, you know, overspending to keep Jeff Skinner signing Kyle Oposo as a unrestricted yeah. free agent. They really have, uh, I think, you know, been irresponsible when it came to making the decisions of who they signed and what they spent on those players. Now I, I can't say that, uh, you know, what Kevin Adams, what kind of general manager he's going to be, but I think he, it was a good first move uh, because I don't think Johansson had a, a future with the team. He was an unrestricted free agent after the year and they get up of, you know, a future hall of famer who can maybe have some influence in the locker room. So I think it's a good first step, but he's got a lot more work to go. Yeah, yeah, I, I was of the mind that Buffalo came out in a better position because regardless, they were going to lose Johansson. So like uh, even a half a year of Eric Stahl around a lot of those young guys will probably be a good thing. I agree that he's absolutely a Hall of Famer and uh, I expect them to play a little bit better. Now, Mike, before I let you go, Stanley mm -hmm. Cup Final got underway last night. The Dallas Stars took down the Tampa Bay Lightning four to one you look at this dallas stars team boy they don't play an exciting brand of hockey but certainly certainly they uh they're they're a well-coached defensive unit um do you think they can pull this off and and hold tampa bay down and win this stanley cup here with anton hudobin in that well i picked tampa in seven but that being the case i mean i did you know in in picking any team in seven games you you acknowledge that, you know, one game going a different way will have the other team win. And I've been surprised, even though I've had five players in a playoff hockey pool that were from the Dallas Stars, um, I was surprised that they beat Colorado. I was surprised that they beat Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, they've played well defensively when they needed to. They've played well offensively when they needed to. And that was a question mark because they only scored 180 goals during the regular season. Um, defensively, I didn't think they were going to be able to get this far with Kudobin, who's a, been a career backup instead of Ben Bishop, but he has been equal to the task on most nights. And I mean, that's, I think, you know, they, they will give and they will push Tampa as far as they can be pushed. The one thing with Tampa is Braden points playing hurt. He didn't make much of an impression on me yesterday. Sorelli got hurt in, in the, uh, in the elimination game for the Islanders. Uh, the overtime win, which he scored the goal. So, and Stamkos is probably not going to play in the series. It seems like he's being more used as a decoy than he is as a uh, possible insertion into the lineup. So, I mean, with those injuries and if Vasilevsky plays like a normal goalie and not Superman, um, then Dallas has, has an opportunity to win this series. I just look at Dallas though, when you just bring back to the Leafs though, and I think the and I wrote about this early uh, last week, you can learn a lesson from Dallas and what they're doing. Not only the fact that they're a great defensive team and they're, I think they're built around that defense of Lindell and Heiskanen and, and, um, and Klingberg, but they brought in veteran guys throughout the year. And so did Tampa. 
Tampa brought in Shattenkirk, brought in Maroon, added Luke Shen, uh, added uh, Coleman and Goudreau at the deadline, signed Zach Bogosian after he'd been uh, uh, vacated from, from Buffalo. Dallas goes out, brings in Corey Perry, brings in Andre Sekera after both have been bought out. There is a value, and I think the Leafs know that from what they did with Spezza. There is a value with bringing in veteran guys as support players. If you can get them on league minimum deals, I think Dubas has got to do that. You know, a guy like Wayne Simmons, yeah. there are a number of other players. If they get, you know, I would rather have a Wayne Simmons as a 13th forward or a veteran player as a 13th forward than putting out Freddie Gauthier every night and, and seeing his ineffectiveness just be on that fourth line. He just doesn't belong in the league and they need better depth on that organization on defense and on forward to win. Absolutely, man. I agree. I agree with you hundred percent there. I think Wayne Simmons makes a ton of sense. I know that they put it out there that he would like to be there. I think, uh, I, I think that that would be a perfect match, especially for a little fourth uh, line toughness of where Simmons is in his career. You already know Kyle Clifford is, is, uh, is going to market. So you're going to have to replace the, uh, the big body there, but I just want to thank you, Mike, for coming by. We got about a half an hour until this bills game here. I don't want to keep you uh, for too long. But I do want to let everyone know that you can find Mike on Twitter at Mike in Buffalo. He's a reporter for HockeyBuzz.com. Anywhere else they can find your work? Uh, sure, at uh, Full Press Hockey. I cover the Sabres and the NHL for them, and I do some other writing for the Fischler Report and a couple other outlets as well. That's awesome. That's Mike Agello at Mike in Buffalo on Twitter. Mike, thanks so much for your time, buddy. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks.